This is the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you hit that like, subscribe, and notifier button so you can be aware whenever a new episode is available. Also, leave a comment and a review. We would really appreciate that. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. So welcome to the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. Uh, my name is Scott Switzer. I am the Clydesdale. I am here with my friend, Dave Newman. I uh, got to be on the road with Dave for the first three weeks of semifinals. And so I wanted to sit down, have a chat with him, kind of debrief the semifinal season and get into a few other things that have been going on in Dave's life. Um, Dave has been a partner of the program for, gosh, going on 18, 20 months, something like that. Yeah, I think and, so. Uh, we're going to sit down for a good hour today and really get into it with Dave. So first of all, welcome, Dave. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to have you here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's fun looking at you through this little box when I, I normally get to like hang out with you in person at, at all these events. Yeah. So you and I hit the same three semifinals to start the season. Mm -hmm. uh, and it started in Knoxville and we ended in Minnesota. So I wanted to get your general kind of overview of semis because there's been a lot of talk about lack of attendance um, and yeah. what can be done to kind of change that. So I just wanted to get your over overall impressions of that uh, before we get into some specifics. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you hit it right on the head. I mean, the, the lack of attendance was definitely... Um, a bummer and you know who knows if that's just a matter of you know we're kind of creeping out of the pandemic and you know people are still kind of slowly working their working their nerves up to get back into travel and go visit these events and things like that so um honestly i thought we would have better turnout at these events just because we we did go to the games last year and um even though i know crossfit stated that the Coliseum was sold out it you know it, it was relatively full I mean you were there but the, the, there were a lot of empty seats you know throughout the entire week and I mean the seat next to me was vacant the entire time not not one time did anybody sit in it so um so I, you know I don't know how accurate that was um as far as being sold out but you know you could definitely tell attendance was down at the games last year but it wasn't horrible you know there were still a decent amount of, of, of traffic and, and crowd noise and, and that type of thing. So, you know, fast forwarding to this season, I was really hopeful that we'd see more people out and about and getting out to these events. Um, and that's why we decided to kind of, you know, come out of retirement, if you will, because we, we decided to take a break from doing in-person events for a while, just because it wasn't cost effective for us. I think we were a little tired being on the road so much and it wasn't so cost effective for us to, to go to these events anymore. Um, so, you know, back in 2019, we, we attended the games and then that was kind of our swan song, right? That was our 10th year, 10th year in a row as a vendor at the games. Um, you know, I think it's the second longest, second longest, uh, run next to rogue of any other company at that time anyway. So, um, yeah, so we, we, you know, we took some time off to kind of recalibrate, and and so you know, it's been a few years. So we, we were excited to kind of get back out and mix it up. We went to Wadapalooza. Wadapalooza had really good traffic. Um, that was a you know good event, great event. Um, we were very pleased with how that went. Um, you know, obviously the the weather stoppage aside, nobody can control that. It was what it was, but um, but it was a good event, and so we got to interact and mingle with a lot of people and and get people exposed to to our brand and our methodology um and then so we were hopeful that these these semifinal events would be would be equally you know well visited well traveled and or well attended and um you know who knows if if it was just the venues that were chosen you know knoxville is a quaint little town but not necessarily easy to get into, you know, flight wise, uh, it's a little more pricey to get into there with not as many flight options. Um, the first weekend of the syndicate uh, coincided with University of Tennessee's graduation. So I think there was a lot of competition for hotel rooms and, you know, lodging and whatnot. So that seemed to kind of drive prices up. So, 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. You know what what was lacking. I mean, the events were run very well. Uh, Wilson Pack and his wife Christina, uh, who've run, you know, the Mac and Mac Fan Fan Fest for you know, almost a decade. I think they they really know how to put on a sharp event. It's run extremely professionally. Um, no complaints that I heard from anybody uh, about the event itself. But the unfortunate thing was there were just the audience didn't show up, you know, and yeah. And and in no way are we digging on the event organizers at all. I, they both granite games syndicate and Mac were all three of those were put on very well. Um, the events ran really well. Um, there were interesting places for the vendor village. I thought that were very easy to get to. Um, and I actually talked to Wilson at granite games and he's asking this, this same question. Yeah. Well, yeah, we talked at length. I mean, we, we were staying at the same hotel, so we were able to, when everything, all the dust settled at, at the end of the weekend, we were able to really, um, you know, kind of dive deep into a discussion about that. And, and um, you know, Wilson has a great point is that he thinks, A, a lot of the live stream coverages are so good that people don't really need to go be in person, you know, like they can just sit home, sit at home and watch it and get amazing coverage, right? So he has a very valid point there. The other thing is that he just feels like there's there are too many, too many events. Like if, if you can narrow it down and have two big events in North America, you know, and and um, you know bring bring the Canadians down and and divide up you know the the regions into two big regions, and you know uh, he thinks that that might be one option. And and um, I mean it sounds. It sounds pretty interesting to me. It, it sounds like a valid uh, approach, but yeah, I don't know. So the, the economy of it right now is very intriguing just because obviously we as a company, when we go to those events, um, you know, we'd like to make a profit. We're a for-profit entity. And in the early days when we were just getting started, you know, if we didn't profit or if we didn't make our, our returns as far as expenses go, you know, we could chalk it up to marketing and, and just being in person and interacting with, with the, uh, the community and, and um, you know, exposing people to our, to our brand. But, you know, we've been at this for 14 years now. And at this point, you know, like we'd like to go to these events and, and make a profit would be nice. And so and that's what keeps us coming back. Um, and, uh, you know, and it's tough. It's tough to do that right now. So. And part of that, you know, um, you know, with 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 the syndicate and the Mac and the Granite Games, like those organizers, right? Loud and Live, um, you know, um, Aaron and Alex uh, that run Loud and Live, and and um, and Wilson and Christina at the Mac, they were phenomenal. They were just amazing to work with. Um, you know, they really wanted to to have us there. They were excited to have our our brand there, and and they they recognized that you know we. When we come to an event, we're usually a pretty big draw because we coach people. Like we're there to help them, right? Like we we literally bring a free service. Hey, come hop on our mats. We'll start coaching you up. We'll put a jump rope in your hands. We'll help you figure out, you know, what you're doing right or wrong, and and help you figure out what you need. And there's no there's no hard sales pressure, right? If somebody buys one of our our jump ropes, hey, we're excited to you know make a new a new uh, customer for life. Um, and if they don't. Maybe, maybe we'll see them down the road, you know, so we're still happy to engage with them. So, you know, we, we provide a fantastic service and we've been doing that for so long and we really enjoy doing it. Um, so they, they know that, you know, we're, we're a, a nice draw for, for the audience and, and they really wanted to have us there and they made it very feasible for us to be there. So, so you know, love those guys. They were awesome. And, we, you know, we really hope to go back to the future events if, you know, we can try and, you know, answer the question of, well, how do we make it profitable for everybody? Right. And, you know, I was still, I was still baffled to hear that those semifinal events have to pay CrossFit a licensing fee um, to be a, a, you know, a sanctioned or semifinal event for qualifiers. I was just, I was still just, you know, really taken aback by that just because, you know, providing a service. Well, CrossFit, yeah, CrossFit used to run regionals and, and they, they paid a, boatload to run all the regionals they took the full brunt of the the financial responsibility the liability the logistics everything 
to run all of these regionals. And they used to have a you know, ton of regionals in San Diego, in Texas, in, um, you know, the East Coast over at, you know, the Mid-Atlantic and up in the, the Northeast. I mean, they had so many regionals that they foot the bill for. And at some point along the way, I think back when Glassman was still at the rain, said, hey, let's... Um, Let's, uh, you know, let's let's have these independent event organizers run our qualifying events and we'll get them to pay us to do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and for some reason, the or- event organizers thought that was a great idea. Like, oh, I would love to do that for you and pay you for it. Like, I just I don't know what they get out of it, to be honest with you. Um, I'm with you. Like they're providing the service. They're providing all them. Those guys work their butts off. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know how much they they paid. Obviously, they're they're very um, uh, you know professional about keeping those numbers close to the vest. But you know, I have an idea of how much they paid, and it's a lot of money. And and I just I don't you know if it were me, I can't say I would do the same thing. Um, just it doesn't seem like it would make sense. So so I don't know. We'll we'll see. I mean, I know that they're still addressing those things with CrossFit um, and uh, to see what's going to be a more workable solution in the future. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a kind of a weird state of the CrossFit economy as far as, um, you know, I know that uh, a lot of brands I'm talking to are, are seeing a little dip in their in their sales and, and real popular brands, you know. And so, um, you know, we'll have to see if maybe it's the bigger picture of just the potential looming recession and inflation and gas prices and all of the above could be, you know, really piling on and causing people to just, hey, sit home and watch a really cool um, live stream. (laughs) Well, you know, just two quick things to kind of sum this all up. And one is you do provide a great service. I I learned my double unders from you at the 2014 regionals. That's going back. Thanks. uh, In Cincinnati. Uh, uh, That's where I got my first RX Smart Gear jump rope. And uh, I still have it in my garage. Yep, in the rain. Out, out. Yep, in the rain. <laughs> yep. And then fun. at the 2016 regionals, uh, Danny Seidel made me a jump rope, uh, customized. I let her pick out the colors and everything. Awesome. And, uh, uh, so, yeah, it's a great service. And the second thing I kind of want to button this up with and kind of throw this out to you is I had a talk with my coach, my gym owner, uh, Christy O'Connell, about mm-hmm. the same thing. And she said that she really thinks that because we've gone away from a regional model, when it was when it was regional and everything was based on residents, gyms would come together and like travel to the regionals, For sure. right? For sure. So you get a big chunk of people in vans and whatever, like road tripping to regionals. And now that it's the semifinals and it's based on wherever your passport is, Um, people are, you have travel issues now all over the place and it's harder for gyms to do that. So like the West coast had no semifinal events. So the gyms couldn't pack up in vans and, and go to Vegas or go to Del Mar, um, to watch CrossFit. And I think that it, I think she makes an awesome point with that. And I think that would go a long way into solving some of these issues. Yeah, that's you know what um, she makes a great point. I, I would have to agree with that. That that was definitely a cool thing to kind of have your hometown crowd, you know, get behind you and, and know that they they would travel down and and uh, you know, yeah, support their 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 athletes. So that's a that's a really good point. And I you know, as far as the West Coast not having an event, I mean that that was um, an unfortunate thing, but it wasn't planned that way. Um, you know, I think. Loud and Live decided to just focus on their main events, which are Wadapalooza and Granite Games. And so I think CrossFit reached out to Wilson, you know, um, uh, of the MAC and said, hey, would you run the second event for us? And they they wanted to hold it in uh, San Diego, the Del Mar Fairgrounds, uh, where they've been trying to hold it for the last four years. And um, and it just logistically wasn't feasible for for. Wilson to try and pull that off with kind of short notice, you know, especially to secure the the location and then figure out how he's going to get all of his volunteer and staff and everybody, you know, out there. So, you know, just it, it was kind of a punt situation that it made the most sense to just run them back to back in that same facility. So yeah, 
again, no dig on the, the event yeah. organizers or whatever, but even, even with what was available, the seating was not done by residents. Correct. Yeah, right? for sure. So like you can't go to the, the person that works out at your gym, you can't go see them because they got shipped over across the country. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for <clears throat> sure. Yeah. You're, you're hundred percent correct. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. I think CrossFit's got some things to figure out and that's why I'm, I'm kind of excited to, uh, not kind of, I'm excited to see Dave Castro, uh, back, you know, with the company. And, and although they're not really saying whether he's going to be involved with the games, at least this season, we know it sounds like he's not going to be, uh, you know, I listened to his, his interview with Savan and, um, you know, he's not going to be involved with the games this year, but you know, there's, there's, um, never say never for next year, but you know, his, I think his input will be, will be there and will probably be valuable input, um, to see how this steers forward. Yeah, I, uh, it was funny. I listened to that same podcast and I was actually going to bring up the Dave Castro thing. So you, you've kind of done that for me. Um, what he, I, it sounded like a more mature Dave. And when he talked about the mentorship from like Bill Henniger and all yeah. of that kind of stuff, like those are things he never talked about before. And he seemed more reflective um, than he was in the past. And I'm really excited about where he's going to take things. Yeah, no, I think you make a good point. I, I think you're right. He, it was nice to hear him um, really, you know, get a little vulnerable and express some of those things, you know? Um, we, we, yeah. Which, which were very, very uh, enlightening to hear, but uh, you know, I've, I've always respected Dave and I, I just think he's a, uh, you know, he's a great figurehead and, you know, he'll, he sets a great, tone and and has high expectations and um you know you don't have to agree with everything he says or does um but you know he's he's definitely a respected and charismatic leader and i think with kind of the commercialization you know i hear i hear two terms lately it's the professionalization of crossfit like trying to make the sport more professional which i think is is important, obviously, to, to see that, you know, continue to grow and evolve. So you have the professionalization on that side, but then it's the commercialization on the other side, which is our side, where we're just regular everyday gym goers that are trying to live our healthiest lives and, you know, go in and, and have, have fun with our friends and, and work out and get sweaty. And so, you know, uh, the commercialization of it is what's, you know, kind of intrigued me to see, well, where's this going to go? Because we've always had a figurehead of some sort that was our leader, you know, that, you know, it was Glassman at first. Glassman was the Pied Piper and we all got behind him and followed him. Uh, and then it was Dave. So, uh, you know, for a short time there, it was Eric Rosa when he was, you know, really at the forefront and being very vocal and at the front of everything. And everybody thought, oh, wow, hey, this guy's got a lot of energy and a lot of exuberance and he seems passionate. And, you know, everybody was stoked, like, OK, cool. There's our new leader. And then, you know, he disappeared. Um, and yeah, and I think everybody was kind of just sitting on their thumbs wondering like well what's going on with crossfit like which direction are we going who's our leader somebody's looking for a leader and um so if for anything i'm i'm glad to see dave back in you know a, a vocal role a visible vocal role uh with crossfit in a you know leadership position and and i know you you know dave off camera i have met him off camera through volunteering and in the podcast and you know he's a completely different person when he's not on camera and he, he is very engaging and very attentive. And, um, I don't think the public even knows that side of Dave. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, you know what, uh, I think that is, um, completely intentional, you know, and he even states that himself, right. That his, his public persona and professional persona, I mean, he keeps it all business and it, you know, he, he just cuts right to the point. He doesn't mince words and, and, you know, that's the way it is. And then his personal life is personal life. And he likes to keep that separate. But, yeah, he is he is an engaging guy and a down-to-earth guy. And, and um, yeah, um, uh, ah, yeah, you're, you're right. So let's break down some jump roping and double unders at the semifinals. Let's do I, it. I know you and I were at Granite, and we had a conversation. And it was a long chipper. Um, yep. I think the, it was wall balls 
Like they yep. had to keep going back and do more wall balls. There were some GHDs. Wall balls total. 150 yeah. wall balls total. Yep. There were some GHDs. There were some snatches. There were some dumbbell moves, but there were 200 double unders at some point in this workout. And I was stunned at how long it was taking people to get through the 200 double unders at the elite level. And you kind of had the same response. So to break that down and then we had double unders everywhere so if you want to chime in on mac and or any of the ones that even were streamed and we weren't there live yeah absolutely well yeah so well the mac the mac and the uh, syndicate um the mac i don't think had double unders in any of their workouts i don't it's all a blur dave yeah i know i know yeah i don't think the i don't think any of the knoxville events had double unders um i'm trying to remember yeah um, even for teams, I don't think they had double unders, but, um, but so the granite games had double unders. Um, the, um, the, uh, strength and depth had double unders. Um, the Atlas games had double unders. So, and I think actually perhaps Copa Sur down in Brazil had double unders. So there were only four of those events that, that I, that I'm aware of that had double unders. So yeah, I, I was, I was stoked that they were at the granite games just because we didn't have them in the other two, uh, us events. Spam me there. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you know what? It was, uh, I loved seeing it. It was really phenomenal to watch people um, die out on their double unders. And, you know, I was a little surprised, but then I wasn't, right? Just because um, I, I, I spend a lot of time with all the different programming groups. Uh, we're, we're connected with all of them. You know, we, we like to help them all out and help everybody be successful and lend lend our our experience and, and knowledge um and we've always said train heavy compete light train heavy compete light you know like your speed rope is just a tool in the tool bag keep your skills sharp with it but it's not what you're going to use for conditioning on the daily basis and typically if there's a workout programmed and if the rope workout doesn't specifically say use a drag rope or use a heavy rope or a one pound or a half pound, you know, like specifically call out the weighted rope, then athletes are automatically grabbing their speed wire, which is a one ounce wire, right? There's just no resistance there at all. And that's what they're accustomed to using. And they, it just, you know, now this kind of like peels back a layer where they're, where they realize now, holy cow, I can be put in such a state of complete physical fatigue that just doing double unders is going to be really hard, right? Like it was really cool to see that. And, you know, 150 wall ball, of course it was like 10 and then come back and then do 20, then come back and do 30. So it accumulated to, to 150 wall ball. So by the time they got the double unders, they might've, they might've done a hundred and they might've done a hundred wall balls at that point. I can't remember if they still had to go back and do 50, 50 wall balls after the double unders, something like that. So, so they're, you know, they were, you know, close to hundred wall balls, but they had to do the dumbbell overhead squats. Um, and, um, forgot what the other dumbbell movement was, but, uh, yeah. And then the 30 ring muscle ups to start things off. So, you know, their entire body was hit and, by the time they got to double unders, I mean, typically, typically, I would say most all those athletes can rattle off 200 unbroken, even, you know, even with questionable technique, um, use a light speed rope that doesn't really punish you, um, then you can get away with bad technique. And yeah, they were dying out. The, um, the only athlete that I witnessed, uh, there might have been more that pulled it off, but the only one that I witnessed um, going up and just knocking out a hundred double unders unbroken right off the first on the first set was Mal O'Brien. She got up and she did a hundred right off the bat and she looked great. And, um, and of course Mal uses our, uses our gear cause you know, Matt, Matt Frazier's a smart guy and he knows, he knows what, what to win with. And so, um, so when she got to the, you have to do a hundred step across the line and then do the second hundred. She would have, you know, had she not tripped on rep 30 or rep 31, she tripped. Um, she would have just gone straight through. I'm pretty, pretty confident of that. But she tripped on rep 31, had 30 in the bag. So she was pretty far ahead of everybody. So, you know, she, she stopped and took a little breather. And then she rattled off the last 70, right? So she had one break. She did it, in, you know, three sets total, right? 100, 30, and 70. That was beautiful. You know, really good work. But for the most part, 
everybody else was gasping to get, you know, 30 reps in, maybe 50 reps. And they were breaking it up into a minimum of four sets, if not more. And when they were breaking, it wasn't like break, step through, reset and jump right away. They were stopping and doubling over, putting their hands on their knees. You know, um, I, I actually, uh, you know, I'm friends with the underdog uh, group and uh, Matt DeLugos, who had a you know pretty phenomenal weekend. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't he didn't qualify into the top five. He made the last chance qualifier. But, you know, Matt reached out to me after the event and he's like, Dave, I've never felt that smashed to do double unders like it really rocked rocked my confidence um, that I that I just couldn't get myself to go like I was just sucking for air. You know, I don't want to let that happen again. You know, help help me fix that, you know, and make sure it doesn't happen again. So so we put together a nice game plan and um, I actually went and visited Las Vegas. You know, my, my mom and brother live in um, just outside of Las Vegas. So um, over Father's Day weekend, I wanted to go out and visit them. And so I stopped in and met up with uh, with Justin Kotler and, and Matt and and um, Alex Kazan, who qualified to her first games. Real sweet gal. And um, yeah, and got Matt set up on a on a training protocol so that, you know, that won't happen again. He'll be able to walk up and rattle off 200 unbroken guaranteed. So I'm, I'm excited for him, uh, you know, during the uh, during the qualifiers. So, yeah, that was that was awesome to see. But again, it's you know, we have a T-shirt made that says train heavy, compete light. And we've been saying this for years. Your everyday rope should be at least a three to a four ounce cord, at least a three to a four ounce cord, which is not heavy. But if you're not used to it, it feels heavy. You're going to think it's heavy. But it's literally the rope that we teach beginners with and get beginners to figure things out, learn good tempo, learn good timing, learn good pacing. And um, and it's a great daily, daily use rope because what it does is it establishes a baseline in the middle so that when you go to the lighter side and get the, the option to use your speed rope, you feel like there's nothing there. It feels like it's just weightless. But then if you have to jump to the heavier side of the spectrum and use a heavy rope, a half pound or one pound, it's not that big of a jump. You're already conditioned to having some resistance and you've built up your efficiency. And so, you know, we've been preaching that for over a decade, trying to get people on board. And that, that event, I got to, whoever programmed that workout, I got to thank them for like really exposing a, a big weakness. Yeah, two two quick things. Uh, I always train heavy. It's just the competing light that I have a hard time with. <laughs> um, and then the other thing was it a was it was it a heavy rope? No, no, they got to use their their own rope. They all use yeah, speed rope. I thought. Yeah, there were so many athletes out there that were using our our Evo rope. I would say the majority of the field out there were using our our Evo rope, especially all the. All the top ones that qualified, most all of them were using, you know, an Evo speed rope, which, you know, between you and I is the best rope out there. So, no, they 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 were set. There was, you know, no issues with that. They just they didn't have the engine. You know, the, the rope can be so good, but you're the engine, right? Like you have to turn it. So uh, a lot falls back on the athlete there, too. And then um, the other thing I wanted to make a comment on is, you know, for years I've been, when are we going to have triple unders? Triple unders, we need to move to triple unders. If you place double unders in the right place in a workout, it does the job. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Like that was, you know, that, that programming was a, was a beautiful, a beautiful example of it, right? To the word, the way they placed it in there uh, was fantastic. And it, it was, it made a big difference. It really made a big difference because when you see people stop and have to like rest, like you, I mean, you didn't see athletes resting as long as, as long, like when they had to break up their muscle ups, you know, or, you know, or wall balls or GHDs, like they were just plowing right through those. And those are arguably way harder movements. And, uh, but then to see them get to a double under, which should have been a breeze for them. And they were, they were dying. Um, you're right. So, you know, triple unders, I mean, that's, um, that's going to happen down the road at some point. I mean, well, it, it, it'll come up. I mean, the skill levels there, people are doing them. And um, I think, you know, when, when Boz gets all of his refs kind of dialed into where they're, they're confident that they can judge them. Cause I think that's a big concern is if they can judge 
triple unders, um, which they're really not hard. I mean, I, I've, I've offered, I've offered our services to come in and work with his team and teach them, you know, how to, how to count, how to judge, how to look and listen and, and, you know, count accurately. It's really not that hard, but, um, but you do jump me forward to, uh, one of our products that we're releasing. And this is something that I, I had the opportunity to talk to Boz at the syndicate. You know, he was, he was there observing for a little bit. And, um, and I told, and I told Boz, I said, Hey, I think triple hundreds are great. You know, that people are doing them. So that's obviously a, a next level skill, but really before that, I think something that's more viable is a double under with a cross. Are you familiar with those? Oh yeah. O old school boxing, man. Boxers have been doing it for decades. Right, Floyd Mayweather, Ali, you name it, Mike Mike Tyson, double under with a cross. Right, it's two revolutions, but one of those revolutions you just cross it and then you uncross it, you know. And uh, and it's a very cool old school move that just takes coordination and practice, just like a regular double under. It just takes coordination, but um, much easier to learn than a triple under. I think you have to be much more athletic to get triple unders, um, just with that higher bound and you know, a little bit quicker wrist and, and uh, having that timing down, it, it takes a little more athleticism. Double with a cross, I think, just takes practice to develop the timing and coordination for it. Um, it is much more accessible, uh, easier to judge, easier to count for sure. Um, so so our, our new product that we're releasing at the end of this month is, it's kind of a, it's a throwback. It's actually a kit, but look at this baby. Wow. The Remember old these school guys? gym jump rope. The old beaded ropes, right? These things, beaded ropes have been tried and tested for decades and decades, right? They're just, they're rock solid. It's a, it's a fantastic outdoor rope. Um, I don't know why we didn't try and make one sooner, but I guess because they were already out there and we just, I don't like to just retread existing things if I can't try and improve it somehow. So, so we have the first ever, first ever, um, beaded rope with dual high-speed bearings. Is that like the Evo handle? Very similar. It, it's the plastic. It's the plastic Evo free handle. Yep. This one we're calling the the Freevo. It's our Freevo freestyle rope, and uh, it, yeah, made out of that same you know really tough polymer, and uh, and never before has anybody made a speed rope or a, excuse me a beaded rope that spins like that. I mean, it's phenomenal. So, so we kind of blended a little bit of old school with new school uh, technology. And that rope is also going to come in a nice kit. Like we always try and put together, just get it squared up. And inside though, it's not going to just have the beaded rope. It's also going to come with, um, we call it a PVC gummy cord or just a straight, straight, uh, licorice cord. There's no cable running through the middle of that. So it's softer right um to learn freestyle things and then it's also going to come with is it in here yeah it's also going to come with a fitness cord so this is a cable cord you know that has wire running through the middle of it it's just like our you know standard rx ropes uh this is our buff cable which i think is just irreplaceable it's such a a, a great feedback rope for a cable rope um so it's going to come with all three all three cord options and one set of handles in this uh kit and um Super stoked about that. And that's, you know, this is what I've been using lately. And I've literally been substituting double unders in workouts. And I'll either do just, you know, uh, they're called alternate step single unders, right? So running in place single unders and, uh, and with a cross, you know, crossing the rope on every step, crossing and uncrossing. Um, and I'll tell you what, I did that this morning. I worked out this morning uh, at Cross East County, had double unders, 50 double unders. And I subbed out for 100 uh crossing um alternate step singles and i was way more gassed doing that than i would have been for 50 double unders i can get done in 25 seconds and not even have my heart rate heart rate spike but 100 single unders especially trying to cross and focus on the timing and the step i was flipping gassed and i had to break it up you know like i couldn't get straight through 100 that was my my goal and i didn't make it so well, i'm pretty excited I am actually way, way, way better at crisscross applesauce than I am at double unders. Nice. Um, nice. And so I would love that that shows up in these workouts. Uh, but you're right. It, it's not, it, you are gassed at the end of it. 
Cause I, yeah. I do it sometimes in a workout, just playing around. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know what? Let me, I'll send one of these to you, Scott. You need to, you need to like just try and incorporate that into a workout and use that as your, your sub for doubles and just do, do you twice the reps, you know, to, to match the double unders. Um, and, uh, and I'm telling you what, you'll be gassed. It's amazing. So, so how easy is it to change out the cables? Yeah, it's pretty simple actually. I mean, it's, uh, that's the cool thing. Cause you know, a lot of our real, our competition ropes are non-adjustable, right? Like they, um, the cables are set to your height. Um, but the way this guy works here, let me get it started for you. You know, just the string is tied to uh, in a single loop, just a single loop knot on the inside. So like that, oh, okay. that's all it is on the inside. And, uh, and then when that's, you know, you don't have to tighten it too much, just, just kind of get it, uh, closed up. And then it actually has, I'll drop it out of there. It has this little bucket, this little clip that it slides into, right? And so then once this, that little black bucket slides into the handle that sits on top of the first bearing. And that's what gives it that amazing spin, right? By sitting on that first bearing. And so that same clip is used on these other, on these other cords. You literally just take, um, there's a second part to that clip that is, um, the, the male end There's a female end and a male end. And it's just a compression fitting. You just snap them together. So it looks like this. Let me get lined up there. So oh, wow. this, yep, this is the female end, the, the bucket end, and then that's the male end. And they just come apart like that. And so when you have your cord running through your handle, you just slide the, the female bucket end over first. And then you take the male end, go over the top. You just want to make sure that you leave a little bit of a tail sticking out because you need something to grab onto. So you want to have a little bit of a tail there, but you literally just snap it together. And then that just pops down inside the handle and sits right on top of the bearing to give that amazing spin, that frictionless spin. So, so you can adjust these, you know, it'll come with 10 foot lengths and you can adjust it down from 10 feet to whatever you like. And then you could just, you know, trim off any excess cord that you don't want sticking out of the bottom of the handle and you're good to go. So really stoked about this. I think we're going to re we're releasing this. We're having a release party here at our headquarters this Sunday. And it's obviously kind of geared for locals, locals that want to come by and get their first uh, opportunity to try it and buy it. Um, we're going to be also doing some other demos. Um, we partnered with Cybex Strollers. They make a really cool... Um, kids jogger stroller for for like real um elite runners and it, it allows you to take the front wheel off the jogger and you attach this arm and um you can belt it you can wrap it around your waist and it, it belts onto you so you can actually run in front of the, the baby jogger and tow it behind you so it's like pulling a sled it's really flipping oh, wow. cool so we're going to have those, those things are like almost a thousand bucks. Or if you buy all the components, it could be over a thousand bucks. So we're going to have those here to demo and, um, and we're going to raffle one off. So that's a pretty cool raffle. And then, uh, I think we're going to bring, I have a brand new ice barrel and we're really good friends with the ice barrel guys. So we're going to have a ice barrel and, and let people uh, try out an ice bath if they, you know, if they want, if they're, uh, adventurous. So it should be pretty fun. So, uh, anything else on the forefront with uh, products? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I mean, so we're, well, I put this aside, you know, we're, we're working on our app. We should have our app out here in the next, uh, hopefully the next 30 days or so, 30 to 45 days, we're going to get the RX app out that we've been working on for quite a while. We've really been taking our time to try and put it together and make sure that it's going to, it's going to really do everything we want it to do um, as far as just giving people a source, a resource for instruction, a resource for workouts. Um, it's going to have more than just jump rope, jump rope and CrossFit style workouts. It's going to have Pilates and yoga and, and other things like that. Um, freestyle tutorials. Um, pretty excited uh, about that. So, so the app will be coming. Stay tuned for that. Um, the next thing we have coming out is this. Have I talked to you about this one yet? You have not. I haven't. Any guess? If you follow any of my social, this is a second piece that goes to it. So these two work together somehow in tandem. I'm not sure how people have to figure out like, what do you do with this? It's kind of, I don't know if it even goes like that, but 
huh. if you follow if you followed my social, uh, my CEO account on Instagram, I've I've given some. The only thing I saw was you you your whip marks from doing uh, the beaded. Oh, oh the yeah, beaded work. Oh yeah, beaded work got me good for sure. No, so this is uh, I named it the rope climb wizard. And this is to help people learn how to do a proper rope climb. And I'm so excited about it. Um, I don't know that I'm going to sell a lot of these. I don't know that it's going to be like a big, you know, money-making uh, uh, product for us. And I don't really care. But what I do really enjoy is that I solved a problem that I know is going to resonate around the world and people are going to enjoy it. Um, because what I've, what I've like witnessed over the last 14 years in CrossFit is that people that struggle learning rope climbs, um, they struggle because they, they can't hold themselves onto the rope long enough to really practice their footlock comfortably, right? And methodically, they're always rushing, you know, they're hanging onto the rope like this, and then they're, they're, they're rushing to try and get their feet fidgeted around and lock the rope in to get the, the, the J hook, right? And, you know, rope climb is all about the footlock. When you have a good footlock, it's not about your grip strength or your hands. I mean, it, it still is, but you still have to hang onto the rope and you can still fry out your grip uh, doing a lot of rope climbs, you know, with feet assisted. But, um, but when you're learning it, it you know, it's, it's all about the footlock. And what a lot of people, the only progressions that have really been around are to set up a box and uh, a tall box and sit on it right? And then lean back and practice locking your feet. So that's, that's obviously the go-to method that a lot of people use, but it's kind of haphazard and people don't get a lot out of it. The other, a really better way than that is if your ropes are close enough to your pull-up rig, you drape a rope over a pull-up rig or even wrap it and tie it so that it stays stationary. Then you can hold your, a pull-up position on the rig and then practice your footlock, stand up and do a pull-up right with a good foot lock and then you can do that so the problem with that is it's not as accurate because you're you're really stationary with the pull-up bar you know and when you're on a rope typically the rope is spinning it's swinging and it's spinning so you have movement that you have to get comfortable with um, but a lot of gyms set up their their um, ropes and rigs far apart from each other so that you don't get hurt you don't run into the rig doing a rope climb or what have you right um, so, so that's where this thing comes in. This attaches to your rope. I figured out a really simple, but clever way that you can very quickly attach this to your rope anywhere you need it. Um, I, you know, the way we do it is we just set up a small box, stand up, set it up on the, you know, on the rope so that it's, you know, kind of above your reach so that you have to hop up and grab it because you want to be able to hang. Because then you get the true feel of what it's like to hang on the rope when it's spinning and swinging. And so while you're hanging there now on your wizard, you can practice your footlock and do reps and lock your feet, stand up, come off, hang on, but let your feet come off, swing them back on, lock, stand up. It's such an amazing tool and, and so simple. And I've taught so many people rope climbs since I came up with this that I'm, I'm just tickled i'm ecstatic to see people get out there and use it yeah i don't know if you can see the comment but cat is watching and she Kat. says i'll take one people need this oh awesome yeah yeah for sure yeah so I'm, i've got i've got all of these made already uh i'm just waiting to get this part made and i'm trying to figure out how to put branding on it because these were just this was just a prototype but um you know got it I've, I've been working on this for quite a while trying to make it really user friendly as far as like the coach's application so that literally a coach can walk in, let's say they have four ropes uh, to use for a workout, take two of them, set these up, you know, one for a tall person, the other one for maybe a little bit shorter person. And then now you have great scalability for your members where they're actually practicing a skill and you know, your people that can rope climb. Great. You take those two ropes over there and you climb up 15 feet, 20 feet, touch the, the top, whatever. Okay. People that aren't quite there yet, Hey, go do, go do three or five standups. I call them standups. And that's where you just literally jump on, lock your feet, stand up, make sure all the weights on your feet, hang down, swing your feet off, swing them back on, stand up, 
swing them off, swing them back on, because that's what you do when you climb a rope, right? You're always releasing the rope and then re-engaging the rope. And, uh, and somebody can do three or five of those, and it's the equivalent of doing a three to a five pull rope climb. Um, and it's, it's fantastic. So now people are really gonna start expediting their learning process uh, on a rope climb. Yeah, that is super cool. And um, I know at our gym, we do the, the draping over the pull-up rig. Uh, yeah. But you're right. You, you don't have that same sensation because no. it's a stable, stable rig instead of moving with the rope. Sure. And that, you know what? I love, I really love that drill. Like if you have that ability to do that, uh, I would make that, you know, maybe kind of a more scaled down version. If somebody is not quite comfortable to jump up on a swinging rope and, you know, grab this thing. Yeah. Then maybe have that over the pull-up rig as one station have the rope wizard set up uh, on another station and yeah, give, give variety. People need variety because everybody has their own RX, right? Like each of us have our own RX that we have to own and just work within our means and, and, um, and our skill level. So I'm excited for it. Yeah. I love that. I love the way you said that we all have our own RX. None of us are scaled. We just have our own prescription. hundred percent. 100 percent absolutely absolutely we believe that so yeah so that's it i think um as far as anything new oh well there's other things i'm working on actually i've got i've, I've been partnering up with some fun people so i'm partnering up with sam dancer and we've got a product coming out it's, it's sam's product it's all 100 percent sam's idea sam came up with it he made the prototypes he made it for himself which i love you know like it was something that he felt he needed for, in his life so he went out and made it. Sam Sam's a supremely creative guy. Like he really is a a, a deep thinker and uh, and tinkerer. That's why we get along so well because you know he's always showing me things he's working on. You know and and um, and so you know he has this great product that he brought to me and and said, hey, I want to try and bring this to market. You know, you have the know how. Like, how do we do it? Let's partner up. So so we got Sam's product coming out pretty soon. Um, I'm not going to give it away just yet. It, I mean, it's not anything that's like earth shattering. It's really flipping cool. And I'm, and I'm stoked that, you know, he came up with it. Um, but I think people will enjoy it. And I think it has a place in a gym and it'll help create some organization and, um, and, you know, convenience for people in a gym setting. So, so next time we talk, don't let me forget to remind you about the Sam dancer yeah, product. I will. Well, I know Kat's excited about the the rope climbing wizard, and I am stoked about the uh, the beaded jump rope set, the Frivo. Uh, yeah, the Frivo, because that is that is my goal. My goal is to get my double unders back, yep. and do other stuff with the jump rope. Get get that bounding, yeah, um, back uh, in my legs and back. And uh, I'm going to document my journey back to double unders. Love it. And I'm going to, I'm going to post videos and I want you to coach them. If you would, I'll tag you in them. Uh, you to need to let us, back to double unders. You need to let us sponsor. You need to let us sponsor your, your journey back documentation. You know, it needs to be brought to you by RX Mark here. It, it will be. <laughs> We'd love I'll, to get that, behind I'll be that. using your stuff. So love to get um, behind that. Yeah. I can't wait to get back there. Um, if if that's all the new products, I want to move on to a little bit of your travel. Yeah, sure. Um, not only do you travel to semifinals, but you actually do some rest and relaxation at times. Yeah. And so I know that you had a big birthday and your lovely wife arranged an amazing trip to Alaska. And I just want you to talk about that a little bit because there was it was a it was a very meaningful trip. And it was so fun watching because I followed you on Facebook for that. A lot of okay. pictures, a lot of um, memories that were pretty cool. And I love following that journey. Oh, cool, man. I appreciate that. Well, yeah. So the Alaska trip um, was long overdue um, for anybody that doesn't know. Like I, I grew up in a military family. My dad was a career army soldier. And, um, you know, one of the, his posts, we were stationed up in Anchorage, Alaska at Fort Richardson. And, um, that was during my eighth grade, ninth grade, and most of, most of my 10th grade, um, years. And man, it was just, uh, 
awesome. Like I just loved it up there. It was such a cool, cool place. And, um, you know, I mean, it may not be for everybody. I'm, I'm not a big hunter, you know, a big hunter or fisherman. And that's obviously up there. It's a haven for that. Like, you know, all of those outdoor type activities, but, but I did learn how to ski up there and that was really our, you know, primary source of entertainment as a, you know, young teenager was we had a ski hill, a small ski hill, very accessible, very affordable, uh, right next to the military base. In fact, there was a shuttle bus that would pick us up and, you know, take us up, up the hill every hour and bring us down every, on the half hour for free. And uh, your season pass was cheap. And, you know, we bought cheap ski package, you know, gear. And so you were set. That was your wintertime activity. And that the ski hill really became our community center. Like that's where we would hang out you know, every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we were up there, you know, after school, uh, you know, they had week um, or lights so you could ski at nighttime. And so, you know, if we if we didn't have homework and we could talk our parents and letting us go up and catch some night night runs in, we would go up, you know, during the weekday as well. But um, yeah, so Alaska holds a really dear place in my heart. You know, I met two of my best friends that, you know, we were, uh, gosh, we were, 13 years old, I think, um, in seventh, seventh grade or eight, actually me, eighth grade together. So, um, yeah, started eighth grade together and, you know, just two other guys, we, we, we hit it off. And, um, because we had military families, you know, they're getting sent to new places every few years. So, you know, we all three kind of disbanded within a year of each other, um, and moved away, like right around the tail end of our sophomore year. But we stayed in touch over the years. You know, we always um, kept, you know, called each other, or wrote letters or whatever. And then now when, when cell phones came, this is back in the 80s, right? So yeah. back in the early 80s. So, you know, um, yeah, so it's been great staying in touch with those guys. And um, one guy ended up in Kansas. The other guy ended up in Florida. The guy that ended up in Florida actually joined the Air Force right out of high school, did a full 20, 24-year career in the Air Force. Um, in which he was stationed back up in Alaska because there was an air base right next to the army base. They were, they were sister bases side by side. And so he got stationed back up there and he got to take his kids back up there when they were in high school age. And, um, and so he and his wife got up there and they, they realized how much they really loved it. And so, so he got, you know, stationed in other places after that. And then eventually retired. And when he retired, he, he settled down in Florida where his wife's family was from. And after all of his kids grew up, finished college, moved out of the house and were independent, he just decided, what the heck? I want to go back to Alaska. So he and his wife, um, he put in for a job transfer, took about a year and a position came open so he could transfer his job up there. And they sold their house, moved up. And within a couple months of him being there, I mean, we were in touch during that whole time, but after he got up there, um, he sent me a text and our birthdays are like um, one or two days apart. I think his is the 13th and mine's the 15th. And, then we, and when we were kids, we used to celebrate our birthdays together. And so he texted me and said, hey, I think we should celebrate our birthdays together. And I thought, man, you know what? That's a great idea. So literally hung up the phone and booked flights like right then and there. And texted him back, said, okay, we're coming, you know, here are the dates. And so, so got to go up and uh, it had been 38 years since I'd been there and got to go visit my old high school, at least the outside of it, you know, and um, visit the high school, got to um, visit my first job was at a Dunkin' Donuts in the mall. And I got to visit that mall. The mall is actually shut down now. If you saw the pictures I posted, I took a picture from the outside, um, but you know, that that had great memories. That was my first job, you know, selling donuts, getting up early, going and making the donuts in the morning. Um, yeah. And we are we were it's an indoor mall. And right across the hallway was a really nice hair hair salon. And the front desk, uh, there were two different front desk uh, young ladies. I mean, I was in high school. I was, you know, 15 or whatever at the time. But um the two young ladies across the hall that used to swap off as the front desk. I had the biggest crushes on cause they were just beautiful. They were my first like adult crushes, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, just things like that. So we got to go visit my old ski hill where I learned how to ski. And, um, it was just, yeah, it was a super awesome trip. And, um, 
you know, 38 years in the making. And um, yeah, super happy to go back. Were you able to do any skiing while you were up there? We did. We did. Yeah, actually, we went to uh, Arctic Valley was the little ski hill that we that we used to go to. The, the sad thing was, is it's a really small ski hill with just a handful of chairlifts. And it's only about maybe 800 vertical feet. And the military actually leased out one chairlift at the very end of the hill. There was one chairlift and they had their own lodge in their own parking lot. And so if you if you were in the military or you were a dependent of, of military, um, that bus would pick us up on base, drive us up, drop us off at the military lodge. And, you know, our, our you know, our lift ticket prices were cheaper. The food was cheaper. Everything was a lot more affordable. And and then the rest of the ski hill was was dubbed the civilian side. And you could ski over there, but you'd have to buy their lift ticket to get on their lifts. And that was just more expensive. And we were we were all pretty, pretty broke. Yeah. And so so I never got to ski the civilian side. I only skied the, the military side and they um, the military. I don't know what happened, but they decided to basically you know, end their time on the hill and they own the ski lift actually. So I think they leased the land, but they own the actual ski lift and they tore it down. They took down the ski lift. They tore down the, the lodge. There was nothing there anymore. It was just bare. And so, and it was on that side of the hill was unkept. So we were able to, you know, we skied the civilian side and we were able to ski over to the military side and you know ski down and and you know kind of see the old space but it just it had a lot more overgrowth and and you know trees and, and things like that and so uh so it was so it was fun it was really i don't know i'm, I'm a sentimental junkie man and just uh, that brought back so many amazing memories because i just um th those were formidable years that really shaped a lot of my um adult life right like i still love to ski taught my kids how to ski and snowboard. And that's an activity we all go do together every winter. And um, yeah, just things like that. So it was, it was really awesome. So thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate it. And let me share it. Yeah. And I know, um, you know, with COVID, nobody could travel for a while. Is that something you and Susan like to do to kind of get away is do some traveling? Yeah. You know what? Um, we do, we find ourselves doing that, but it's, it's, it's not by design. We always feel guilty every time we, we have a trip that kind of comes up, whether it's for work. I mean, we travel more for work than anything. Um, but, you know, wintertime, we definitely try and get out and ski. So that'll take us to uh, Colorado or Utah or Northern California to go ski. So we do that a lot. But, um, you know, we just feel, we feel guilty just because we have, we have two amazing dogs. And luckily our, our boys are still, our youngest just graduated high school. So he still lives at home and he's there to look after the dogs. And our, our 20 year old moved out, but he's only five or six miles away. And his, um, he's a, a ceramic, a potter. He makes pottery and his, um, his studio is in our backyard. We built him a really nice studio. So he's over all the time to, to, you know, work on his art. And so, um, so yeah, we feel a little guilty leaving the dogs sometimes and leaving the boys, but um, but yeah, we do. We like to get out and go explore. I'm I'm just I was just booking flights again. I'm actually hopping on a plane on Monday and I'm gonna fly out and spend some time with uh, Alex Smith, Danny Spiegel, and Laura Horvath. So I'm gonna be with them a little bit, um, capturing some media, training them a little bit, um, you know, train doing some workshops for CrossFit Krypton membership. And then, um, and then early July, I'll be flying up to Seattle to spend time up there with the uh, Seattle Invictus crew. They're putting on a master's camp, so we're gonna go do, we're gonna go up and do some workshops for those those guys. And um, yeah, so you know, still moving and grooving. We'll be out at the games as well. So yeah, um, I love that Seattle Invictus crew. Uh, we did a we did a human interest story with one of the owners of Kevin, probably Kevin Coster. Uh, no, um, no. I, I'm telling not, you, I'm getting old, Dave. That's all right. I'm not sure who the other partner is, but Kevin, Kevin's the master's athlete who's just right. a stud. This was a guy beard. that weighed, that weighed like 300 plus pounds and lost oh. 
all of the weight. He was in a car accident where he broke both of his legs. And that was like the turning moment. Wow. Uh, to help him. And he was, he, he, he was drinking a lot at the time and he was drunk when it happened. Mm. And they actually had video footage of his car hitting the median and bouncing back into the traffic and not hitting a thing. Wow. Justin. Wow. Cat just gave me Justin. Justin. Uh, okay. Yeah. And CrossFit did a documentary on him. Oh, wow. Um, I looked that up. Yeah. And I, I run into him all the time. It's Justin Garrett, Gerhardt, Garrett. Oh, Gert. Some, Justin Gert. Okay. Gert. Gert. I didn't that's know it. that happened. I know Justin. I didn't know his story. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We wow. had a, yeah. I run into him all the time. I'm just terrible with names. Thank I that's why I have cat. There you go. That's we yeah, you're a good team. That's all right. That's all, I'm the same. I, I lose names all the time. It's because it's because we meet so many people and yeah, it's it, I'm with you. It's tough. It's tough. Names come in and then they, they slip out. So don't feel bad. When when Kat and I first went on the road, she would be beside me going, There's this person, there's that person. And I was the one that had the courage to go up and like ask for an interview or ask for whatever, yeah. but she was the one giving me all the info I needed to be able to do it. Yeah, so, see, cause you didn't, you, you didn't know who they were, so you didn't care. <laughs> so, hey, well, I knew who they me. were who when you? she said it. Oh, right. My eyesight is not the best. Gotcha. I really gotcha. should be wearing glasses more often. Um, gotcha. and so I don't see them really clearly till they get real close. All right. So I want to connect you, remind me, I want to connect you with, um, it's a local company called sport RX. And they're a very um, well-known, especially in the action sport industry, but they, their um, primary thing is uh, performance prescription eyewear. And so uh, one of their reps is a, a local CrossFitter, really good friend of ours, longtime friend, used to be a coach at, at, at our gym, as a matter of fact. And um, so he's one of the reps that's helping bring their company into the CrossFit space. Um, he just signed uh alex johnson is working with alex johnson because she wears glasses you know when yep. she when she works out um i'm trying to introduce them to um danny spiegel because danny doesn't wear glasses when she competes but she wears glasses you know so um but i should connect you and then maybe that'd be a good partnership for you guys that you can plug plug them and uh and sport their eyewear yeah yeah that'd be great because i know cat wears glasses amy wears glasses yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the glasses are great. So they they have their own frames. They have a handful of their own frames, um, and they do everything under the sun: sun prescription sunglasses, progression, transition, like you name it. So they set me up with a couple of pair that I love. You know, um, progress uh, transitional um, uh, or actually progression type uh, uh, eyewear, and then my sunglasses um, are transitional. So. And they'll, they'll also put things in designer frames. So Ray-Ban, Oakley, Maui Gym, whatever, they'll, they'll put prescription lenses in those as well. So I need to connect you guys. Yeah. Kat Kat just jumped on with, uh, everyone wonders how I wear glasses when I do handstand pushups. Yeah. 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 That's easy. I don't, I don't do handstand pushups anymore. Those are, those are bad for my neck. Yeah. I know. I know some people that they get, um, they get vertigo. Yeah after doing a, doing a couple of them. So they, they've quit doing them as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. When, when you're in that, um, older divisions of the masters, uh, things like that happen, man, I think, yeah, you're right. I think, uh, we need to, we need to start really planning for longevity, right? Like I want to be, I want to be 80 and fit and, but not be broken from CrossFit. Right. And I think correct. If you're not careful, you can do certain things that, that can break you and you know, so yeah, I don't, I don't have any business doing uh handstand pushups anymore. Very, very limited amount anyway. So not good for the neck. Well, with that, Dave, I want to thank you so much for jumping on. Uh, we've gone over the hour. Um, it's been awesome. Wow. Uh, I love path. the new products. Thank um, you. and I can't wait to see more. We, we always call you the evil genius cause you're in your lab developing and tinkering and, doing all that kind of stuff and it's fun to see what you come up with but, but not evil we got to change that i don't I, I don't want evil i want it to be positive because i want to help people uh uh, uh <laughs> glenda the good witch no happy. um <laughs> happy how about happy scientist you know happy scientist <laughs> uh dave newman the science guy 
Yeah, that works. That works. I appreciate it, guys. It's great being on with you. And uh, yeah, much success. And let's let's definitely stay in touch. Yeah, and I'll end this broadcast and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Be well. Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Remember, you can find us now on YouTube as well as all major podcast platforms. Please go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you use and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.